Welcome to episode 54 of the Daz and Daz NBA podcast. And as uh, we've supposedly just ended the NBA season, but uh, as we've spoken about a number of times, the season never sleeps, does it? But uh, how, how are you today anyway? Yeah, I'm good. We are, what, six or seven days post the finals, and um, I think I needed seven minutes to kind of forget the finals, so <laughs> seven days has gone by or so, and so I've got, yeah, I'm again, I'm busting, ready to, ready to crack on. Yeah, well, I have to confess, I did not watch one second of games two, three, or four of the NBA <laughs> finals, so um, after, I was, I was sort of bullish on the Cavs' chances, but uh, I really just... Yeah, I just sort of followed the box scores, to be honest, and the Cleveland gave me almost no reason to, to check in. Game three was a bit close, but I was out at a meeting uh, during game three, so I, thought I might check it out later, but uh, I couldn't bring myself to watch another Golden State victory. But did you catch any of the last three games of the NBA Finals? Yeah, I, got, I watched, obviously, game one and game three. I caught a little of game two, but that was, that was a little. Um, but yeah, I saw game three. And uh, it was it was a little interesting, and then nothing in Game Four, so I didn't see a minute of Game Two or Game Four. Yeah, well, Game Three full, was full the disclosure. big, um, yeah, that was the big Kevin Durant game, and obviously once it went three 0 it was just a fait accompli. It was whether Cleveland could could save some face by taking Game Four or not. No. Uh, it, it was pretty it. unlikely that that was going to happen, particularly once it came out that LeBron had injured his hand. Uh, how badly is open for conjecture, I would suggest. But uh, he did he did <laughs> bust his hand into a door after game one and then uh, tried to claim it was broken after game five. Well, I take that with uh, a, a very large grain of salt. I have to be honest with you, Daz. But uh, what did you see from, particularly talking about Kevin Durant, because Kevin Durant ended up winning finals MVP, uh, and that was almost solely, you'd, almost, you'd think, based on the Game 3 performance, and just that, that it was that much better than what um, anyone else other than LeBron produced in Game Game 1. So what did you see from Kevin Durant in Game 3, and I guess the, the Warriors in general? I saw, so what I see in Kevin Durant was shot-making. Right, so that's that's what he does. He is a might be one of the best, um, yeah, definitely top two or three shot makers in the in the league at the moment. And wasn't that different than what we saw from you know the the um, it was the final couple games last year as well, right? Where he hit the couple of big daggers that pull up thirty footer, you know, in last year's finals right over LeBron. He sort of had a bit of that swagger, um, not the swagger. He doesn't have swagger. Let me take that word back. Nah, that's he had word. the you know, that's not a word he has, so good catch. I saw a confident shot maker, right, where he, he didn't smile once, um, but, but he also doesn't smile either. So it just, shots were going in, and he's in a rhythm. And he's yeah, that's the thing I'd say. He, just, he, he, score, step. he yeah. scores in the flow of the game. Um, yeah. whereas other guys have got to sort of force it a bit. It ne- never feels forced with Durant, at, l- at least certainly a Golden State. At times it could at, at uh, OKC, but when you've got Russ Westbrook there, sometimes you've just got to chuck up a shot as soon yeah. as you get the ball. Yeah. So that's what I saw. I mean, I go in, I think I would have called him this, but Zach Lowe sort of penned it, penned it first. But, I, you know, he's the – what I saw was perhaps the greatest sidekick in – you know, one of the greatest sidekicks in NBA history. You know, he's definitely better than if, if you got Magic and Bird. Their sidekicks were what James Worthy and Kevin McHale, right? He's way better than James Worthy and Kevin McHale. Jordan had Pippen, 
you could argue Pippen, right? Pippen, an easy no-brain Hall of Famer, but Pippen not nearly the offensive threat that Durant is. Obviously, Pippen a far superior, def- well, a superior defender, yeah, a yeah, far superior. Yep. But but I would say Durant. I'd still probably think at the end of the day, and when the careers are done, I'd probably take Durant, you know, over Pippen. So hmm. you know, Kobe, Kobe, Shaq. I guess that was as close. They're so radically different, and neither of them were sidekicks or two alphas. So he, but he plays like a sidekick. To your point, you know, he again he joins a seventy-three win team. So by definition, he is a just a, a an ensemble player. He is not, you know, Tom Cruise leading man stuff. He's now an ensemble. You know, William H Macy can win a whole bunch of Oscar awards, but he'll always be an ensemble player. And so what I see is an ensemble member. What I see is someone who's he's quite unsettled. Would be maybe the kindest word to say. Uh, got a got a hole in his heart. He look, you know, it doesn't look it didn't look enjoyable for him. And certainly a guy who's so plugged into social media as he is, no doubt his hearing, you know, hearing the the crit the critics, and I'm probably one of them. He's hearing the critics loud and clear, and I think that he's in a really really tough emotional spot. He's not in a tough intellectual spot. He's not in a tough professional spot. He's in a tough emotional spot now. Uh, finishing up the season, so um, sorry I fast forwarded a bit, but there's there's not really anything to talk about about the series, right? Um, so no, there uh, was nothing. Well, there was very little to talk about before yeah. it started, and then we had a, a fascinating game one, and it very clearly became uh, yeah. evident after yeah. that 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 was pretty much the only uh, fascinating game we're going to get. All yeah. albeit that game three, but, I guess, did go down to the wire. Well, what we saw with game one, right, was that the, one of the greatest. One of the two or three greatest players in the history of the game had an, an historical night in game one, and it still wasn't enough, right? So that tells you how good Golden State is, where literally one of the greatest ever played one of his greatest games ever, and it wasn't enough. They got steamrolled in overtime. So when that's happening, then you know this, the story is pretty much written from the first chapter. So what did I see then? So you asked about what I saw from Durant. That's what I saw from Durant, an amazing shot maker who's an ensemble player and now has a uh, probably big decision in front of him as he's so plugged into what uh, what people say about him. He's it's got to be killing him. What I see from the Warriors was yeah, you know if they can make the numbers work and um, however you pronounce it, Lacob Lacob, the owners are going to be into the hundreds of millions of luxury tax, no doubt. And I don't think they're going to hesitate to pay it. You know, got the new arena opening up. Is that next year, next season. Next, one more season. Uh, one more season, I believe. Yeah. One more season. Yeah, the Bucks is this year, then theirs is next year. Yes. So what I see from the Warriors is a team um, who they're all in their prime, and it's Steph's team, and Steve Kerr, you know, seems pretty pretty happy in his spot, and and I see a team that's going to be very, 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 very hard to beat, and we'll probably get into this. I'll let you know, we'll no doubt have to get into it because considering where we're at whatever, five days before the draft and ten days before free agency, but that this dynastic kind of um, uh, phase that we're in with Golden State is making teams and players do things we probably haven't seen before, which is, right, all the super teams and player movement and player power. So the, that it's happening is it cause and effect, but they're both happening simultaneously. I think they're, I think they're highly related, um, but... Uh, that's what's happening. I see a Warriors team who shows no signs of slowing down. Well, the, th- the couple of things we go on state that the first thing is that they're probably looking at a tax bill in excess of four hundred million dollars, which 
that's that's a, a hell of a lot of money. But this team is a license to print money by, by the same token, particularly once they open that new arena. So, and you're talking about hedge fund, what, what sorry, doc. Um, Silicon yeah. Valley uh, billionaires anyway that own the place uh, own own the joint. So, in terms of that, I don't think the money's going to scare them away. Uh, I think just on the Durant side, I think it, that that becomes interesting. He said he it's a no brainer for him that he comes back. He doesn't look happy outside looking in, but he must be there. Must be some level of contentment there that he's so happy to, or so comfortable to come out publicly and just say, "No, I'm coming back." There was an interesting aside during the championship parade. One of the owners made some jokes with Steve Kerr and uh, was sort of making the joke about uh, Kevin Durant not quite being uh, the same, beloved by Golden State the same level as uh, Steph Curry. So I'm not sure if that's caused any further controversy since then or has given Duran anything to think about. Uh, but the final point I'd make on Golden State is there's a lot of players coming off contract. We talked about during the Houston series how wafer thin this team was. Now you know you're young, you've you essentially got the, the coward will be gone, uh, Javal McGee will also be gone, uh, David West I think is a free age, so there's going to be a lot of movement on that bench which didn't really produce for them. There's every chance they actually come back better next year. A slight chance that they come back a little bit worse because obviously Iguodala and Livingston aren't going to get any better, and they they've been key contributors over time. But once we, if you've got those four top players up and about, it almost doesn't matter who you surround them with, and it's going to take a, a pretty historic effort from a team like a Houston or whatever other team might be able to poke their heads up um, at the moment. But I mean, there's a massive gap, isn't there, between what Houston did this year and you know the, the third, fourth level teams in the league, which are probably looking at the Utahs, I guess. Boston if, if they get everyone up and about and healthy yeah it's a massive gap right it is um, and just to kind of pull this up while you were um, while you were saying it the 400 million is the cumulative tax bill over over the oh, four okay. seasons okay. right yep. so that's the thing that couldn't possibly be right so they're again sort of current projections right if you kept the kept the band together is that they'll have about a say give or take 150 to 155 million in salary next year which will carry with it a 90 million dollar luxury tax bill just for next season and then again projected again if that one then clay will be on a new deal um you know looking and draymond as well might be looking at 175 from from 2019 onwards around that 175 175 million salary which would carry with it a 198 million dollar tax bill so over the four years, it's projected to be four hundred million. So just, right. but still, it's four hundred mils, four hundred mils. Well, so. that's what I read. The cost to keep this term the year in luxury tax would be four hundred mil. That's but it. I took that that's to right. be Total. the last season would it would rise to that amount. But obviously, as you said, that's a, that's a cumulative. I mean, it's still a, it's still a massive amount, still, but it's certainly not yeah. as much as as just that for the for the last season. Yeah. Going to be together. Yeah, yeah. But look, to your other point, you're right. You know, so the I think you know. Uh, uh, do I believe this? What I'm about to say, Gold, I guess as Iguodala um, gets a little bit older and slows down, Livingston gets older and slows down. I was going to say that that's probably your two, you know, that's your that's your fifth and sixth best players by a long shot on that squad, right? Um, so the guys beneath, you know, as they get older, it's kind of hard to be worse than Kavon, Looney, Jordan Bell, Nick Young, you know, the the giant Georgian coward, right? It's a, that is a that is a that's a bunch of min salary kind of talent, right? So again, a quote unquote, it's hard to get worse than that. So 
the hor the horrifying thing is actually they might you know they might get into the reload situation with you know uh, buyout guys guys who get you know stretched or bought out who want to come play for minimum deals and actually they actually might get better right that's the scary thing about Golden State it's still about upside if they fill out their roster a little bit better imagine someone competent taking Nick Young's minutes right um, or someone you know competent taking again he did okay for what he is you know Kavon Looney but imagine a competent you know NBA you know, big, you know, taking his minutes. So they could actually get better, right? Just all things being equal, you swap out guys, you know, 7 through 11 on that team, um, and they're probably going to get better. So that's why I'm saying it's going to be um, – I don't know how the gap's going to get closed unless, as you hinted, Houston does some some adding to the arsenal and, and Boston gets healthy, I guess would be the next two best. Well, that's what you're uh, thinking. I mean, Houston, to me, had their chance this year. I don't think they're going to have a better chance next year, assuming they bring the same crew back. Now, obviously, they can add to that, and we'll talk about the LeBron factor, etc. But if they just reloaded it, brought the same team back, I think this was a much better opportunity for them to win. And I think Bill Simmons made a really good point. He said once... Uh, Mike D'Antoni went to the seven-man rotation, you've then just started the clock on a ticking time bomb for when Chris Paul breaks down. Uh, and, and that's exactly how it played out. I would have loved to have seen D'Antoni play some spot minutes to Joe Johnson. We spoke about that. I think that's one of the things they need to do is look at filling out their roster with just a little bit more playmaking so you're not you know, cutting that, that uh, rotation down to a bare minimum come playoff time. The other thing, I'd, other point I'd make with Golden State, this is, it's not as easy to fill this roster as you might think. Like, like I thought Caspi was going to be a perfect player for this team, and he just didn't fit in. Theoretically, Nick Young should have been the perfect guy for this team. Just come on and just shoot away, you know, when he comes on. We, you know you're not going to get some defense, that much defense out of him. You know he's going to have some brain fades. But he sort of, guys find it difficult, I think, to fit into that environment with the four, you know, superstar players. It's not always the easiest thing in the world um, to just go in and, and fit right into that environment. So even when they make some signs, the offseason, you might think, gee, that, that looks like a good fit. You've got to wait to see it on the floor. And what worries me, I guess, for this term is all the sort of all the sort of talk during the Houston series, oh, yeah, but don't forget we've got Iggy out, we've got Iggy out. Like, if, if you're sitting there seriously saying, well, Iguodala's a key part of this team and we need him out there, um, then I think you've got some, some issues. So it's, I guess it depends on what, what happens with Boston and Houston, but uh, I'm, I'm by no means anointing this, this team the championship favourites as, as confidently... I think is what I did entering this season, uh, going into next season, just right at this stage. Would would you be uh, would you agree with that, or, or were you pretty much in the same boat as you were last year with Houston? No, with Golden State. So what I'm saying is, like going into this season, I would say Golden State runaway favourites. I can't see anyone beating him because I wasn't that high on Houston going into the season. Going into next season, I'm not as high on Golden State as unbeatable or unbackable favourites as what I was going into this season. Right. See, I was quite high on Houston. Right. I loved the pieces. I loved the defence. Like, the theory of the wing defenders was, plus Chris Paul played out almost exactly as, you know, Daryl Morey dreamed it up. So, um, so I was very high in Houston, but I was, I was also a disbeliever, right? I had to see it to believe it. So I, um, and as, as you see game up until 40 seconds left in game five, we, we were possibly going to see it. So, mm. um, 
So what would make me think less or more of Golden State? What would make me think Golden State has a worse chance next year is what? Nothing other than injury does. So therefore, nothing they can do. It's not, in my view, Nick Young's an airhead, right? Iggy, Iggy and Sean are, are getting up there in age, or they're going to just slow down. Their games could probably translate pretty well into their late 30s, so I, you know it's not a huge discount. I just, I can't imagine guys 7 through 11 being worse than this team. So I actually think they're going to be better. So that conversation, believe it or not, is actually all relative to what you know where LeBron goes, where Kawhi goes, what happens with Houston, etc. So that's a that's kind of how I'm answering that question. I can only see Golden State being better. I can't imagine Kevin Durant being more miserable than he was this year, right? I can't imagine Steve Kerr's back being worse than it was this year. I can't imagine Steph Curry missing another 25 games. Did he miss 25, 30 this year? He missed almost 30 games, didn't hey. he? So I go, and also he didn't come back till the second round, right? So I'm like, a lot of things kind of went wrong for Golden State, but that's how good these four guys are. A lot of stuff kind of went wrong. So um, it just happened to be a little more wrong for Houston and <laughs> way more wrong for Cleveland pretty much from, from August onwards. So um, I'm going to push pause on that answer until we see um, maybe in the next fortnight we're probably going to know a lot more about Well, Well, obviously we'll know a lot more about where, how teams are placed, etc. But I think yeah. they're fallible. I think it's it's one of those old things from you know when I said about the Predator movie. You know, if it bleeds, we can kill it. I think we saw it bleed this year against Houston. We've seen yeah. the the roadmap, I guess. And look, there might be another team out there, you know, building a scheme to sort of beat this all these switching defenses as well, Daz, that we haven't even seen coming yet. So I think there's going to be some some more movement and which team actually comes out or not, I'm not sure that the team I'm probably most excited about from a contender point of view would be Boston just to see Kyrie and Gordon Haywood in that yeah. team as well, given how well they play defense. I mean, they were as elite on defense as what Houston were. Um, and you put them two guys in a mix and then they're, they're approaching Houston's level on the offensive end as well. Yeah. So, just one, one little just fine point, I'm, and I'm not going to go too far with this, but the, to what you were saying about just on Houston and Chris Paul is that it wouldn't be uh, assertion that the uh, the number of minutes that Chris Paul is playing, i.e. a shortened bench, you know, quote-unquote starts a ticking time bomb, t- ticking time bomb with him. The, the data doesn't prove that out. I just pulled up Chris's stats, right? And this guy has been, you know, he's played the fewest minutes of his career this year, Daz. Right, so he's he only played 58 games in the regular season, averaged less than 32 minutes a game, which is second lowest of his career. His lowest of his career was last year, right? So this guy has played 38 minutes a game in years and played 80 games. So yeah, and he also had the broken, a broken knuckle. That was a sort of a bad luck injury. So I'm, I'm not. I just never subscribe to the this sort of logical leap that if you play more minutes, then you break down. That just doesn't, it doesn't flow for me for a guy who played the fewest minutes of his life. Um, literally this season. So just, again, I don't want to go too far with that, but I think that's a lazy, lazy narrative around Chris Paul. There's horrific bad luck at 40 seconds left in, in a game five. That's right. It's just oh, no, I, th- I think there's there's qu- there's serious questions on his durability. Now, whether, whether playing more minutes in the shortened rotation adds to that risk or not, I guess, is, is something that can be open for debate. But I don't think he can debate... And I said this when they signed him. That there are questions about his durability, and I think that and and that 
becomes relevant in this off season because he's looking for a four five year deal, Daz. And this is a that guy is that's not been able to stay on the court. So well, there's suggestions there was a nod nod wink wink with them um yeah, in the last off season. So let's just wait and see and maybe pump the brakes on that. <sighs> Um, and, and see where that adds up. But I take your point. I mean, I think it's but uh, it's a constant frustration for me, I guess, the fact that, that Dan Tony, that's his, his go-to move, is the dropped or seven-man rotation. And we've seen it really blow up for Houston, at least in my view, the last two years. This year, not as badly as it did against the Spurs um, the year before. But uh, it's, it certainly didn't help. And I, and I would have loved to have seen more Joe Johnson in games one, one through five of that series uh, in hindsight. And, and look, I, you know, whether that protects Chris Paul's hamstrings or not, I, it, it probably didn't. But yeah, at least yeah. it would have had him a bit more game ready. So it seems like the busiest time of NBA for the year, of the year, doesn't it? And there's actually no games. It is crazy. It, it's, <laughs> it is really cool, right, that to have the timing like this is, is awesome. Because, yeah, you get the finals literally six days. You know, it would be how many days between the finals and the draft? Like not even two weeks, like 13, 12 days between the end of the finals and the Yeah, well, it's not the, even supposed to. Imagine if, if it get, went seven games, you're probably talking yeah, about 10 right. days. Less than a week or something, yeah. Then free agency, and then you got, you know, that's summer right, league's the summer league. fun. Yep. That's right. And then, and, you know, Kawhi, sorry, get Kawhi and Kyrie now. Boy, there's going to be synonymous, right, getting their way out of town. But. Yeah, Kyrie hijacked August again last year, so we'll see. We'll see, but yeah, it is a, this is a crazy. It's going to be a fun two weeks. It's going to be a rapid two weeks, two mm. two weeks in a bit. But man, it, it's just it's fascinating. We'll talk about this hopefully at some point in August. Just the the nature of the sport when you have such dramatic turnover of stars and really really impact stars. Can you imagine Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and you know, Le'Veon Bell switching teams, you know, all the time. It's just, is no sport has this. And that makes it, I guess, just the changing nature of what we as fans have to expect from our teams. And, you know, those of us, who, you know, those of you, those of you who get lucky and have, you know, super teams in your town versus those of us who are terrified of our one superstar bolting. It's just a different, what is really interesting shakeout period, I think, of the league. So, well, that's yeah, when you have a character like LeBron that has moved around. I mean, you've got the best player in the league <sighs> that's moving around to he different, sets the tempo. different teams. That's right. you know, that, that sort of sets the drama um, it does. of what yeah. happens. And, and that's what, in some ways, well, I think did disappoint people that Kevin Durant sort of went to the Warriors because it was, would have been so much more fun you know, if he stay, either it stays in had. OKC, goes to Washington, you know, who, who goes to New York. Like, you can imagine the possibilities of how much more fun the league well, would be. Just imagine if if he just would have stayed freaking put and Presti pulled off, right? Victor Oladipo, Sabonis for, you know, for, for Paul George. And Westbrook, George, and Durant. You don't need Buddy. What's mm. his face? You don't need Carmelo. Man, that would have been fun. Well, who Man, knows how Durant. Victor Oladipo develops with, with KD and Russ there as well. You know? Or, yeah, or Oladipo. Oh, there's no way he was ever going to get out of Westbrook's well, shadow. Well, that's probably true. But, but, but I was just, you know, just while we're on that thread, I never yeah. thought about that, actually. Durant, Paul George, and Westbrook, man, that would have, have been fun. <laughs> actually, I would have liked KD, you know, trying to, to throw in the, the greats. But, uh, well, that's, I mean, I yeah. would at least go there back for another year, and if it doesn't work, then then you, then you look at your options. But, yeah, that, that was where it sort of it fell <laughs> or, there for me. Or... or or join anyone but the team who won 73 
28 other choices, Kev. Uh, and we would have literally been fine with all 28. Go to Houston. Cool. Go to the Clippers. Yep. Join join Chris Paul and, and, and Blake, or not Chris Paul. Join Blake and, and anywhere. Go join fucking Danny Ainge. Fine. That's cool. Anywhere but there. But that, so, this is what annoys me most. The final point I'm about is, yeah, don't yeah, I'll make that decision and then whine about the fact that people are bitching about it or people don't don't appreciate it. It's like, what did you expect the the response was going to be? Like, did he think yeah. that fans outside of of Golden State were going to be sharing with roses and saying, "Wow, <laughs> thank well, the you, fans Kate. inside Golden State don't even shower." No, no, what, no, because we have a. You know what? Because we have brains and we are humans who, right? We, we live our lives, which are full of trade-off and compromise and, and heartbreak and setback. And, and what makes life interesting is you have to overcome stuff and you have to work at it. You have to find tribes of people and family members to, you know, overcome life's crap, right? It's like, oh, that's what life's richness is about. Not going, it's too hard. I'm going to join the best team ever. <laughs> Boo-hoo. I was like, that's not, that's not life. You've just cheated life. You've cheated yourself of experience, and you've tried to shortcut life, and you failed. And it, yep, you got a couple of rings, but I can tell. We all know by the look on your face, Kevin, you should be fucking smiling, and you're fucking miserable. And why are you miserable? Because you know you didn't earn it. You're a hanger honor. You're the caboose. You're, you're, you're nothing. You're, you're nothing. You're a, you're the, oh, you got, it took this long for you to be fired up about, about Kevin Durant. Well done, Daz. You, we must have had a really calm hour, you know, their first, first part of this conversation. But, man, what did you expect? You cheated life. And you know what, people, those of us who are fans, you know what, you cheated life, man. Fuck you. That's why that's, that was... Well, and that's the thing I think they haven't faced any adversity yet either this term, um, and that that's where LeBron, in the end, gained respect despite the fact that people were so annoyed at him at making the decision. He got humbled, but don't Dallas. forget too they got they but they had to rip apart that team, so that wasn't necessarily him that's going right. to a team that was already great, already a seventy three team. Right. They had ripped apart something. that team, had to create something. They got their pants pulled down in Dallas. They then beat a pretty inexperienced OKC, and everyone went, "Yeah, okay, well." You're probably supposed to win that one, but then you know when they when they sort of responded when the Spurs came in and punched him in the mouth in 2013. That's when they earned the respect that um, of the impressive. NBA world, yeah. you know, and, that, and that's where legacies are built. And who knows? Look, maybe kept, maybe next year Steph Curry does his ankle in the first round of the playoffs, and, and Durant puts him on his back and, and leads him to the title, and then we go, okay, well that's you know you, you know brings him back from three two down the couple of series and things like that, where you say, okay, now you're some adversity um, then now you get some sort of respect but at this stage I think you're right I mean you've got to earn respect and you've got to earn those, that, that sort of legacy and to me he bypassed having to earn those things and he just said look I'll just take it you know and it's 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 almost akin to just sort of saying well you know you can either win your ring or you go into a shop and buy one that's it that's what I, that was the first word out of my mouth and we'll go back to the pod as I go this is Kevin Durant saying he's tired of working. He doesn't want to work anymore. He just wants to show up and, and win titles, and that's what he does. And, yeah, well, surprise, surprise, he scored 43. Oh, surprise, surprise. I'm like, we're as surprised about that because it, it, you're supposed to, right? Just the way um, – uh, 
some Dazzes and people <laughs> who claim James Harden is a good defender when they forget <laughs> you just added three fucking all-NBA defenders. Of course he's better. Why? Because the other players aren't open. That's why he's better. So don't give me some bullshit metrics about suddenly James Harden is a great defender. No, his teammates got better. Same as Kevin Durant. He's like, no, MVP, it's, yeah, it's not meaningful because you, your teammates are fucking amazing. So you are, by definition, David Schwimmer, the nerd from Friends. You're not Ted Danson. He's David fucking Schwimmer. You're not Ted Danson. He's not Kevin. even George Costanza. He's not even Costanza. No, that's right. Because Costanza you know, laughed at himself. Kevin Durant, and I've said this offline, he would have cha- he'd be changing my impression of him if he was actually much more arrogant and having fun and laughing and showboating and finger gunning and being being the villain and being Draymond. You go, ah, this is just what he's wanted. At mm. least he's happy being this fucking asshole. But you know, you don't be the coward and then not work and expect everyone to bend over and and love you and bow down and. he's fooled he's just fooled himself he's not fooling anyone else except for bill simmons it just he's a he looks a fool he just looks a fool and and now he's he's it's gonna be a sad ending i don't care it literally doesn't matter how many rings he gets it doesn't matter it literally doesn't matter you joined a 73 win team context matters and let this podcast live forever let the tweets of my Beloved Eric name, go, may it ever be written. Don't let history ever re- forget that Kevin Durant isn't anywhere near the player of LeBron James. Don't let all the rings fool our memories because our memories are bad. We, we suck at it. So we're going to have digital memories of, of this. Let's make sure history doesn't think Kevin Durant was better than he actually was. Oh, look, I dads. think his, yeah, history <laughs> will judge this team well, but I think the individuals within this team have probably been hurt by the fact that Kevin Durant went there. So, um, I agree. Including but, Steph Curry. So, you know, you just wonder where those guys would have been ranked individually. Well, that's a really – that. no, that's actually an interesting point. And I, I sort of think wasn't Curry's legacy, though, all – he was a dual MVP, right, who dethroned LeBron, and it was a he, – in that three-year window, or the two-year window, right – he almost single-handedly changed the way we think about and look at the NBA with the way he played. He showed us a style of basketball we had literally never seen. So the Steph Curry I will remember is as the lovable, laughable, chewing on his mouthpiece, hitting 31-footers, who for me coined my phrase, that's the most demoralizing play I have ever seen. And that includes... Right, built dunking on your head. That includes Michael Jordan making every last second shot. That includes right, you know, Larry Bird, you know, hitting three pointers. Steph Curry's because Larry Bird didn't take many. He single handedly had already taken the entire league and orbited around himself, and he had changed that right, um, right with the Splash Brothers, and then with Draymond. They were already the idealized versions of themselves. They won 73 without Kevin Durant. That is a fact. That is written in history. So I go, that's why his legacy for me will be still far more, almost whether Durant was there or not. He'll probably win more titles because of Durant, but that's going to be, for me, I think will be secondary to him being the single greatest shooter, perhaps, in the history of the league. Oh, I think he could say, yeah, his, his peak is 
probably better than or as good as any any other player's peak ever, and oh, maybe better. Yeah, like his offense. Yeah, his off- offensively, to you know, what he was able the, to do to change the way the league played. He was like a Wilt Chamberlain. Like that's perhaps the only other equivalent. He's so big. Wilt was so big and so dominant, right? They they made him not dunk the basketball, right? Because it was too <laughs> it was too confronting, right? So that's what Curry's done. He's literally changed the way that 16 year old and 15 year old and 14 year old players look at the NBA, right? Because guess what? A whole bunch of us grew up being six foot three, right? Not many of us grew up to look like Shaq. Well, that's like it. LeBron, the NBA has always like... been a game where you think it's a big man's game and you've yep. got to be this big, imposing figure. Whereas if Steph Curry walked down the street, people probably wouldn't look twice at him um, in terms of what his physique is, you know, unless you recognise the face. So um, from that point of view, what he did for the NBA could, couldn't be measured. And like his legacy, I agree it is, it is set, but I think there was there was more to be built on that that I don't sure. think is going to be built there now because well that's a fi- Kevin that's Durant a great point you. that's right so you forget the nail on the head there but maybe that's why I actually do get a little bit more upset about it I and a lot of casual fans I'm a casual fan of the Golden State Warriors right but is what Kevin Durant has removed the joy from neutral fans ability to enjoy the Golden State Warriors basketball correct I was in right we were in Cram's um, in a living room that day and I was hiding under the sofa. I was so nervous and the, you know, in the series that LeBron won, mm. right? I was, I was full blown. I had never, never, I'm, I'm a bright, I'm a true blue dyed in the wool bucks fan. Number one forever. Phoenix is always kind of my second team. I don't think I'd ever rooted for a, a favorite the way I had cheered for the Warriors because they were so fucking fun. I had never seen anything like it. Kevin Durant has taken away the fun of that team. It's not fun to watch them not struggle ever. It's mm. not fun. Well, that's it. You want to see a team right. overcome adversity or reinvent right. the wheel type of thing. So even that right. seventy-three win season, that, that they were balls to the wall and they pulled games out of their backside. Yeah. Right. And even when they the seventy-third game they won, I remember it against Memphis. It's, it's, it's still one of my favourite games I've seen. You know, the, I remember Steph Curry booting OKC on that ridiculous last second shot. Um, yeah. I remember Clay right. going crazy in the game six against OKC when you thought they were gone. Like they yeah. were the sort of moments that they had. And I mean, even the seven game series. Look, I didn't think it was the greatest basketball we've ever seen, but we'll always remember it some of the tense, moments though. from Game Seven yeah. and the drama um, of what happened. So uh, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's just such a shame that we, that with one move they basically said, "Look, we don't want drama. We don't want." Uh, we don't want fun. We don't want, yeah, we, we just we don't want, want to struggle. That's we not just as want fun. Wins. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then land, we were all bought in because we broke the streak. Right? They were 24 and 0, and the Bucks, the Bucks were the first team to beat them. So That's like, right, 24 and 1. The, the Bucks had their, you know, their say in that, the nine losses, right? So that was a. <laughs> I remember, and then the next time Bucks played, I think, because um, Bucks fans all had the 17 and 1 shirts made up. So yeah. um, Golden State fans had the shirts made up, which was like 17 and 17 for the Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was twenty four and one, and they made up the shirts. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that was for the second like, game. They said, right, yeah, because yes. when they played the second game, yeah, yeah. twenty four and twenty four or something. <laughs> See, that's funny. Yeah, because I go, I think back to the champions. I, I never rooted for the fucking Celtics or the fucking Lakers or fucking Jordan's fucking Bulls or the fucking 
bad boy Pistons. I would never root for Kobe or flip flipping Shaq. Right? I never, never had I. You rooted for the Spurs for, in the early two thousand, surely. I rooted for the Spurs in twenty fourteen. That, that so I be that was that was fun because I was kind of still I was a bit because LeBron had won two in the row and I'm like yeah LeBron's had enough I don't want him to get his third so that was why I was like just more about anti Miami but again to oh, your point that's right but I didn't root for that team just the style of basketball the Spurs played for about a, a fortnight was something we may never see again um, but that's the point right it, it's hard for guys like us right it's hard to suddenly start to embrace and get emotional about you know the fucking lead dog number one seed it just doesn't it doesn't happen mm, to me yeah. and the golden state warriors had the ability to make us love us who are super super hardcore fans of another team right and made us love watching them win unlike watching the 80s celtics or the 80s lakers or the or the bulls or the or the it just those teams never ever ever converted me never for whatever reason steph had that ability that's what Durant, I think, has robbed us of, is that, is that joy of just cheering for a fucking superior team. And that's why I hope you... I well, hope- and, that, and, that, and the flip side of that, too, is we didn't have to watch a series this year, which, while it was dramatic, it was hardly great basketball to watch Houston and Golden State. Um, those games were not the most attractive games, and that's probably going to be the only way you're going to try and beat this team now, is just get them into a sort of real slow it down, slugfest, yeah. rock fight sort of a, sort of game, where it's heavy heavy ISO ball or or heavy post ups of the ball, depending on what your style is. So that's a fair point. What what, what I loved about games four and game five, though, was that, and we mentioned this, is that those two teams averaged about 110 points, 108 points per night. And those playoffs games were 95, 93. That's what made them interesting is their their teams playing way differently, right, than they had to, to just to try and to, to win the war. And that's what I loved. Well, I much preferred the, the OKC yeah. Golden State games. Did you? Oh, I remember, okay. you know, I remember because OKC knocked the Spurs The more haymakers, that, right, just that haymaker after round haymaker. before. Yeah. And I remember yeah. saying to Cram, I said, he, he was sort of into me saying, I think you're going to lose. And I said, you want to hope we don't lose? I said, because these guys are going to give you everything you can handle in the Western yeah. Conference Finals. And I found myself in the middle of that series going, you know what? Pulling for OKC, yeah. Well, even in the Spurs series going, if oh. Spurs lose this, I'm, from from a Spurs fan, I'm going to be devastated. From a basketball fan, I'm going to be a little, part of me is going to be excited because this is going to be a heavyweight heavyweight title yeah, fight. I yeah. knew it from the time and that was you know, that was good to me great basketball. Right, okay. Well it's stylistic preferences, right? So that that was dramatic. You're, you're right. That was but what I didn't like is the again just how it ended this the cringe worthy my turn, your turn stuff on OKC. How well that was OKC was the most yeah, that was I typical know. of that team, sadly. Yeah, just yeah, so frustrating. But uh, look, we digress immensely. But I, I, I probably it well, I gave you the out. out. I, I said earlier, what was your thoughts on Kevin Durant? And I thought you were going to go off at that stage. So, but then I, I saw an opportunity to put the boot in. So yeah, poke the poke the bear. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You've given me some editing work to do, Daz, yeah. but that's fine, mate. So look, have a good week, mate. Hopefully, we will talk on Friday. Uh, but at this stage, if we even if we don't talk Friday, we'll certainly try and touch base. We next will definitely weekend. talk during. And, it may only be for an hour or so, but at, yep. at least we, we have to. We'll log on and we'll do it and we'll do a live at least an hour or so. I, I definitely want to be online when 17 and 18 picks go in. That's 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 my dream at the moment on Friday. We have to. That's that's so cool, right? <laughs> oh God. <laughs>
Why do? Why can't you guys go first? That'd be so better. There's no pressure, right? We couldn't take that guy, right? Oh god damn it! This is gonna suck. All right. All right, mate. No worries. We'll be to speak to you again, mate. We'll talk soon. That was soon. fun. Right. That was good. All right, All right mate. Take Bye. Care.